Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have the amazing honor to interview and have a great conversation with Jim Bernard. So looking forward to our conversation. Hey, Dr. Corey, thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting for me. I'm so excited. We've been trying to get this nailed down and looking forward to this conversation because your story is one that everyone needs to hear. And I'm excited to see where we go with this. So Absolutely. introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've been through. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So uh, my name is Jim Barnard. Like you said, I am a pastor and a coach in Denver, Colorado. Um, I'm also an author and a speaker and you know, I, I, I have a story to tell. It's not actually the story I would want to tell. It's not the story I would want to have at all, but it's the story that God's given me in my life. And so I feel a, a great calling to share it with people. And uh, my ministry, Tiller Coaching, is all about using uh, the expectation gaps that we have in our lives, the difference between our hopes and expectations and the reality. That gap in between those two is where disappointment, dissatisfaction, and distress live. And I use my story in that. I use my experience and my uh, pastoral experience, my understanding of scripture to help people learn to trust Jesus in the midst of that gap. And it's quite that. a privilege to be able. Yeah. love that picture of that gap because yeah. we really do. And I talk to couples all the time. It's amazing how it's, our expectations of what marriage is going to be like and life's going to be like kids confronted with reality, which happened to you. You met your bride and all the whole future of the whole world is ready for you. And then, yeah, yeah, it, it all fell apart real quick. I, I guess that's a good intro into what exactly is my story. Um, so, you know, my, my wife, Felicia, I met her at church. It was my first Sunday at this new church. And I, I had, uh, I had gone and I was like, okay, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to like volunteer. I'm not going to serve. I'm, I'm just going to be a face in the crowd and just check it out. And just make sure that it's safe. And Alicia's up on stage giving announcements. She worked at the church. She was the producer of the weekend service. And uh, I, I saw her up there and I was like, oh, she's cute. You know, I like this church so far. And <laughs> she's doing announcements and uh, it's not going well. Not her fault at all. Uh, the sound booth is just messing every single thing up, like showing the wrong oh. clips, putting up the wrong slides, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, and yeah, yeah. And, and she's dealing with it with grace and humor. And I, I'm, I'm so captivated. I want to get to know her. And so uh, I, I say to myself, Hey, maybe it's not a bad idea to serve here. So I go and introduce myself to her and I'm like, Hey, what's up? Like, how do I, how do, how do I volunteer? And she saw right through my motives and, you know, was flirting back at me. And, and so I, I volunteered right away and got to know her. We started dating right away. And it was awesome. I just quickly fell in love with her heart for Jesus. She's super smart, strong-willed. She's a, a, an achiever, a three on the Enneagram. She's in it to win it. And I just was like, yes, I, I love this girl. And I couldn't wait to, uh, to ask her to marry me. I had the most epically terrible proposal of all time. Oh, um, <laughs> I, I won't tell you that story. That's in the book. But, okay. <laughs> um, but when I asked her... What's that? 
Leave me hanging. All right. I know. I know. It's a cliffhanger. It's it's yeah. so great. Um, yeah. So when I asked her to marry me, we we actually decided to have a really fast engagement, um, ten weeks long. You know, right. venue issues and stuff, and we could we could like figure it out. And um, and I I always tell people that I. I, I was shocked. Like, why are we doing this so fast? Like, it really didn't make any sense. Although we felt like we could pull it off. But I think at the end of the day, God knew what he was doing. Because yeah. three months after we got married is when Alicia got super sick. And just like the whole like world fell apart for us. Uh, so she has a disease called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And when she first got sick... Uh, it, she was just vomiting all the time. It was as if she had, you know, the stomach flu or something like, okay, a, a week or two later, it'll be fine. Right. But it just didn't get better. It, it was a, a major concern. So we started to freak out and started to go see doctors and we're in the emergency room and all this stuff. And we meet this one doctor who said, you know, Hey, I, I, I'm really concerned about this. I don't, I, I, I want to find all the answers that we can, but we don't have all the great, the greatest like uh, uh, equipment, the, the tests. Like, I think we should send you to the Mayo Clinic because they've got all the world-class stuff there. Let's send you there, get all the testing done. And then we can get some answers about what's happening because there's some serious things wrong here. So we go to the Mayo Clinic and she's there like for three months, months, four, five, and six of marriage. Wow. And yeah, I had burned all my vacation time on the, on the mayor, on the wedding, on the honeymoon. And so I couldn't even be up with her the whole time. Um, you know, we had to enlist some friends and family to stay there with her. And it was, it was awful. She was doing some of the worst tests, so invasive, just awful and humiliating. There was one thing she had to do that was called biofeedback, um, which you're nodding your head like, okay, I've, I've heard of that. There's a few different types of biofeedback. Uh, this one we lovingly called uh, poop school. Um, if, if, yeah. I don't know how off color we can get on, on this podcast, but um, bas basically she had, to, she had to sit on a false bottom toilet because they, they, were, they were convinced that like she had forgotten how to go to the bathroom. And so this woman would sit underneath her and literally point out like, okay, relax here, bear down here. Like you, oh, here's how you use your muscles correctly. It was no, awful. Like, oh, it was so oh. terrible. <laughs> and, and yeah, that was just the tip of the iceberg. There's all kinds of different things that she had to go through and endure. And it was hard. And I felt so bad that I, I, I couldn't really be there for her. And so, married, so you're also in that not yeah. a moon stage, but yet, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, the, it felt like the honeymoon came to a screeching halt and, you know, with, with the pain, the struggle, the, the distance, like all of this was so real. And at the end of this Mayo experience, we had the opportunity to go and sit down with the managing doctor to say, all right, like what, what, what's the plan going to be? How are we going to handle this? And so I, I came up to Minnesota, which Corey, it's just cruel that we send sick people to Minnesota in the middle of winter. Like that's, that's a thing. So weird. It, was, it was awful weather, but yeah, so we're up there, we're, we're sitting down with this guy and he looks at Alicia and, and says, you know, Alicia, I think you're a ruminator. And I was totally clueless what this meant. Like 
uh, okay, what? And Alicia's, like I said, really smart. She got it right away. She said, I'm sorry, do you think I'm crazy? Like, do you think I'm nuts? Like, what are, what are you talking about? And he said, no, I don't think you're crazy. I just think that you've got some, you know, mental or emotional things happening that you just haven't processed through appropriately. And she's like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, what would lead you to this conclusion? And he said, well, you know, you mentioned in our first meeting three months ago that your dad could be a little abusive. And, and she's like, yeah, it's to my mom. Like, what, what do you, what do you really think that like he caused problems for me? And he's like, well, no, I just, I mean, he's just waffling back and forth and he's trying to smooth this over. But his conclusion is that get counseling. Yeah. It like, it's, it's just all a mental or emotional kind of thing. And Alicia's fighting this man and I'm just sitting there in my hands. Like, I don't know how to advocate for her. I have no concept. So she's, she's giving in the business. Okay. So what about, what about the anal rectomanometry? What about that biofeedback? Like you had me sit on this toilet with this woman underneath me and every question she would ask him, he'd like, well, you know, let me check it on that. And he'd open up the chart. Like he's reading it for the first time. He's like, Oh yeah, that is unique. Oh, that's weird. Fascinating. Well, you know what? I'm out of time. So if you would like a referral from my office for a counselor, please let us know. And man, Alicia is like ready to throw gloves down, you know, yes. she, she's really hacked off. So she's not willing to let him go. And, and she's trying to get some other answer. And we had seen this other doctor in the midst of it that had given her this conclusion of this Ehlers-Danlos, uh, you know, problem, this, this diagnosis. And it was a loose diagnosis at the time, but he's like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't think I buy it. And really I got to go like my 15 minutes are up. And so he, he left and we, we left Minnesota super dejected. We yeah. were, we were living in St. Louis at the time and it was, it was a long drive back home and it was awful. And when we got back to, to St. Louis and saw that doctor that referred us uh, to, to go to Mayo, I think both of us were just so paranoid and like upset and afraid that he was going to agree with this doctor. Cause he's, you know, world-class he's Mayo clinic. He's, you know, the, the top doc. And so he's sitting there in this small office looking through all these tests and at least he's like carefully going through it, you know, and he doesn't seem to be in a rush. It's not like I just have 15 minutes for you. Good. So he, he is looking at it and he finally like looks up at us and man, I, <laughs> I gotta tell you, I felt like I was going to puke like Alicia's the puker here, but I was, oh. I was so anxious and upset. I, I was really convinced he was going to tell us, yeah, I think he might be onto something, but he looks Alicia directly in the eyes and said, honey, it's not in your head. It's in your gut. And I'm, and I know that this was terrible. Like what a miserable experience to be told that, but um, no, it's so clear. And I'm, I'm really thankful that we got all these tests done because he was able to quickly identify that the majority of this disease mm -hmm. is located in her, um, in her colon. And so to give a little bit more context of, of Ehlers-Danlos, if you've ever seen a contortionist, mm -hmm. someone who can bend their joints in any direction, like a pretzel, they've got that same disease. It's a hyperflexibility in their joints. It's a lack of collagen. 
Well, Alicia has it primarily in her abdomen. And so like uh, she, she doesn't have any muscle tone pushing food through. So she would eat something, get clogged. And then anything else she'd take in, she'd just puke and puke and puke for hours. And, you know, eventually like her organs, her uterus, her rectum, her bladder, all these organs have prolapsed or fallen out of place. And so she's got cow tissue and meshing and tacks trying to keep everything in place. But this doctor saw that the majority of the disease was probably in the colon. And so he removed it. And for a season, Alicia got better. It was really awesome. But the disease is degenerative and it continued to spread throughout the digestive system. And um, yeah, Corey, long story short, for the last 15 years, my, my precious wife, Alicia has just continued to get more and more sick 15 um, years. each and every year, 15 years, 15 we're still, years. We're talking 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like the story where you're at 15 years ago. And that's I just love exactly that. Right. I love, I love meeting you right now and even talking through where you're at today, but that's 15 years ago. That's just, yeah. What a journey uh, for you. Oh guys. man. It's, it's been a journey for sure. You know, I, I didn't cope with any of this. Well, you know, I, (laughs) I mean, how could you, of course, but I, it was, it was really hard for me to figure out, okay, how do I respond? It's, uh, it's scary. I feel like I'm going to lose my wife, like literally any day that she's going to perforate and go septic or something, you know, something's going to happen. And, you know, as the years have progressed, the disease hasn't just spread in her digestive system. It's also caused a lot of neurological issues. Um, she's really fragile. She's frail. She's, you know, she's 5'8 and about 67 pounds. Um, she falls frequently. She's, uh, she's really compromised. And, you know, my, my coping mechanism was to just shut down, to isolate, to hide from everyone and everything. And that wasn't, uh, that wasn't a great response, but, you know, I, I, I can say with clarity that I'm, I'm really thankful for my church community that we had, mm-hmm. especially at that time at when we lived in St. Louis, cause they, they really came alongside of us and they, uh, to borrow, you know, a concept from Exodus 17, they, they held my arms up when I was weak and weary. They did the same for Alicia. They, yeah. they, they said, Hey, you're not in this alone. We're going to experience victory together. And it felt really significant to me, you know, what, what, how they showed up, how they loved us, how they were united with us. It was, it was the church really being the church. It was, it was really awesome. And I, I sit here today as a, as a pastor, I I never expected to be in ministry. I was a a business major in college. I I thought I was going to go and and be a CEO or a a marketing, you know, executive or something. But, um, you know, God changed everything through the course of our story of suffering. And it's, and you thought I'm I'm just talking. You fought that calling too, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I fought it for a long, long time. It felt like God kept saying like, you know, what, what, what these people have done for you. I want you to do the same thing. Like you're, you're building some street cred to, to go and, <laughs> you know, help people in, in their stories of to. suffering. <laughs> no, I'm not about it. God. I, I, I hate that idea. Yep. Like I just thought like, well, ministry's complicated mm-hmm. and uh, look at my life. My life's so complicated. There's just no way. And I, 
I resisted it for a long time. I'm, I'm embarrassed to even say how long, like years and years. And I know when I was in seminary, because I was young, you know, mid to early 20s, I would hear the two stories of people that would, they're coming to school because they were all older than me to, you know, move careers, switch careers. God has called them into this new thing. But the other one was I was running and running and running from God's calling and did all these other things. And then I finally listened and I finally... <laughs> you know, went into it. Yeah, no, I like, I, I finally did give in and I, I, I said, okay, God, what, <laughs> what do you want? Where, how answer the questions. And, um, and when I, when I did it, he sent us to, to Colorado. We're, we're in Denver now. Um, I moved out here to go to Denver seminary and, you know, I, I was one of the older kids, you know, there's, people of all ages, but there was a lot of young kids that just kind of went from like Bible college to seminary. It was like the logical <laughs> conclusion. And, yep. and I was like, okay, I respect that. But, you know, I, I felt like maybe my life experience could help me in a unique way. Um, but yeah, there's, there's people pursuing ministry for all different uh, reasons. Uh, I, I hope all of them are doing it because of calling deep calling, but um, yeah. What, what was your, what... we actually see that though. We see that many are not. Yeah, how, how many of them have a very short shelf life and then they go off to something else because it was just another step, not a deep calling. So that's why your your story is such a beautifully critical and needs to be told, needs to be shared. Um, very important one. Yeah, thanks. I uh, honestly, God has done the absurd in my life. Like I, I wish I could really like tell the full story here in, in short form, but um, you know, the, the thing I think that, that pushed me to seminary was, uh, finally a relenting of, okay, God, like you, <laughs> you've been pretty consistent here. And I, I really can't ignore this anymore is, you know, Alicia and I wanted to be parents really badly. And, uh, you know, Corey, I hesitate to share the story sometimes because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't get the opportunity to be parents. And, and we were really convinced that was going to be us because, you know, Alicia's uterus had failed before ever having a human being in there. And yet we, we went to every specialist in the St. Louis area just to ask, like, is, is this possible? And every doctor said the same thing. No way, like impossible for you to get pregnant, but super impossible for you to carry a pregnancy. Yeah. You know, like just you give this up. And uh, one day, one of Alicia's best friends from high school called us up and made the most absurd offer like I've ever heard. She said, Hey, I was praying for you guys today. And I felt like God was telling me that I should be your surrogate. So I'd, I'd love to offer you my uterus. <laughs> no way. Oh. Yeah. 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 And we're like, uh, okay, Brandy, like, weird. Uh, <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, this is like a weird topic. Like I, I just don't know how to feel about this. Right. And so we were like, okay, I like, we're not saying yes to that right away. We, we need to like figure this out. If that, like, how should we feel about that? You know, like what are the moral implications of surrogacy? We really had no concept. We had never considered it before. It never popped into our minds. And so we went back to see this one particular doctor who we knew was a believer. And we felt like he, he could probably just give us like some, some wisdom, some spiritual guidance on this decision. 
So we went and sat down with him and he started to defend why he felt like this wasn't like a, a morally uh, ambiguous thing that he felt like God you know, was okay with, with people doing this, that God created the science and he's, he's backing this up in, in solid ways. And, and as he's talking about this, he just suddenly just like stops talking. Like he's having a stroke, like mid conversation. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, Hey, Dr. DeRosa, are, are you okay? Are, are, do you need a, like a water? Like what's, what's going on? Like I can call 911 if you're having a stroke and he's, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I just, I feel like God is telling me to tell you something. And it's the last thing I want to do. Like, I don't want to tell you this. And we're like, well, the suspense is killing us. Tell us, please. And he just like, he's like holding back tears. And he said, I, I really feel like God is telling me that you need to die to this dream to give it up and like, just walk away from the desire of being, being parents. Whoa. And it was hard to hear. It really was. Um, but we thanked him and we, we thought, you know, Dr. DeRosa, you had so much courage and strength to share that. I appreciate it. And we, we said goodbye and we walked out of there and just broke down. You know, we, 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 we cried really hard and yet we came to the conclusion of like, okay, that was God. That is exactly what we needed to hear. And uh, that night, Alicia got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I can't even make it up. Like, um, yeah, I mean, we were, we were, it was a really hard day and it was, uh, it, it was also a really great day in the long run. And, uh, and when, when Alicia, like, you know, we went back to Dr. DeRosa to say, Hey, we, we, we think Alicia's pregnant and he's like, come on, like, let's, let's slower roll here. Like, let's do a blood test. And he came back into the room after the blood test, just ready to throw a parade. He was so excited. He said, he said, guys, this is an, an amazing miracle. I can't even believe what what's happened, but we need a bigger miracle. We need, you know, we, we need, we need to be really careful about this because there's going to be a long, hard road here. And the chance of you losing this baby is really high. And uh, if I'm being honest, I was, really convinced we were going to lose the baby and we were going to, I was going to lose Alicia that this was going to end up catastrophic, but Alicia got, got healthier during her pregnancy. There was two seasons where she got healthier over the last 15 years. It was after the colon was removed. And then when she was pregnant and she didn't carry all the way to full term, but she went to almost 32 weeks and yeah, we've got a little boy named Anderson who's now 11. Uh, and uh, he was born healthy. He, he's, he's a great little boy. He was born three pounds, 14 ounces, wow. and had to spend 26 days in the NICU. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yep. So, you know, to, to land the story here, I am sitting with this kid in the NICU and I've, you know, I've got the whole afternoon alone with him and I I'm holding him in my two hands. Cause he's so tiny. I, you know, I'm just imagine like, Oh yeah. I'm, I'm just like astonished. Like, God, I, how, I don't understand why you'd give me this gift. There's seemingly healthy people that I know that haven't been given this gift. Right. And yet you, you saw it fit to, to give me this, this miracle. I, I can't understand it, but you must have big plans for this kid. You must have a purpose for him. And 
I, I just kind of committed right then and there. And I said, okay, I, I want to be the best earthly dad I can be to raise him, to know you as a heavenly father. And, you know, you, you I, I, I need to raise him to know how he's made and how he's gifted and just help me Lord. Like whatever it is you need me to do, I will do it. And, uh, Corey, God showed up in that, in that little NICU room and, and said, okay, Hey Jim, um, what if in 20 or 30 years, I ask Anderson to go into full-time ministry and <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's got a good excuse or a bad excuse. If he tells me, no, how would you feel as his earthly dad? Um, just like, <laughs> I'm sweating at this point. I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I would feel disappointed. Disappointed is how I'd feel. And God disappeared and just let me sit in that disappointment until I finally relented and said, all right, like whatever it is, we'll do it. And that's when we moved away from everyone we knew and moved out to Colorado and uh, did this crazy seminary thing. And it was the worst. It was absolutely the worst. Like, I, where did, Corey, where did you go to seminary at? Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you had the ability to, to just focus solely on seminary or if you had to work. I was oh, seeing, yeah. well, I was working full time, but I did not okay. have the insanity of stress of yeah. a new baby and also a wife that's struggling very much. So, yeah, yeah, it was a juggling act for sure. You know, I was working full time doing master's level seminary part time. I had a wife who was so sick that she couldn't drive. She was a 24 hour fall risk. Um, you know, she, we had no community. Yeah. Yeah. And we had, yeah, we had a little boy who was nine months old and couldn't do a single thing for himself and needed his dad. And his dad was nowhere to be found. I, it was so tough. Like this juggling act was, was really, really strenuous for me. And I, I swear, I, I, I broke down like every three weeks, I would just have a like complete mental breakdown. Like we need to give up, like, you know, either God's a jerk or I misheard him or something. I don't know, but we're, we're going back home to St. Louis. We can't do this. We can't, we can't do this alone for sure. And yet, you know, Alicia, you know, she's so smart and strong. She's like, yo man, like, are you kidding? You knew this wasn't going to be easy. And you also know that God's not fickle. Like we, we've got to see this through. Yep. So I would calm down and I'd be like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and uh, I'd get myself together. And then three weeks later, I'd be right back in the same place. But, you know, we, we saw it through and I'm really glad, you know, Denver has been a really great place for us. And I've worked at two different churches out here. And, uh, you know, two years ago, I was able to, well, I've, I've built a lot of community out here, which has been really helpful, but I, I got the opportunity to step away from church ministry and start this coaching ministry where I would just give away my time to people that were feeling the weight of that expectation gap. It's something that I know all too well, and I hate being an expert of it, but it's, it's a privilege to be able to serve people. So yeah, that's, it's, it's a, that's it's a crazy it. story. We, we expect life is going to be good. Mm -hmm. And especially as Americans, we are so full of ourselves. And then as Christian Americans, it's amazing how even more full of ourselves of if she or he doesn't make me happy, if I don't get my kid, I deserve to be a parent. If my health isn't perfect, like everything. It's so, you to me are such an inspiration of, we are to persevere and it is not meant to be easy. 
Because none of this stuff's a fair for your wife at all, but then for you as the husband and then your son and the list is long of, of not fair. Um, mm-hmm. you were to go down that road, which I'm sure you have. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's not the, the dream that we paint. It's not any of that kind of stuff. And so you're now helping others see that life, the perspective we have in the midst of the storm is what actually changes everything. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. I I, I think if I'm being honest, I, I think the church kind of has a problem and I'm not really trying to take a shot at the church. It, it really just believers. We, believers. Yeah. we, Which is the we, church. we all, yeah, yeah. We, we just, uh, we will all laud how excited we are to be in heaven. We just like, oh, just Jesus come back. Like, I just can't wait to be in heaven with you. And Yet at the same time, we, when, when things get hard, when, when we experience suffering, we quickly walk away from that narrative. We, yeah. we, that hope and that joy that we claim about heaven. Yeah. yeah. We, we suddenly vacillate away and it, it's, it's really dangerous. It, I, the last time I checked the, the pathway for us to get to heaven, I, I think it's death or tribulation, right? It's expectation gaps. My my two boys, when they were younger, one time they were outside playing and my middle son looked up at me and his name is Blaze. He's got bright red hair. He's crazy. We named him pretty well. (laughs) Looked up at us. He's like, why don't we just kill ourselves and go to heaven? Like, why are we sticking around here? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) And my other son goes, because we're supposed to raise, win people to Christ. I was like, Huh. Seminary granted. You just got your whole seminary diploma right there. Oh my gosh. Praise the Lord. That's so good. (laughs) And it is that simple. I feel like we've built lives that are all about ourselves Uh and it's not about ourselves. And it's not about just like ministry in the sense of always just serving other people. It starts in the home. Your primary place of service is that woman that God gave you Mm -hmm. as your wife and I am alive today because of my wife. I have not the same disease your wife has. I have Crohn's. Yeah. I am not, I'm alive because she has cared for me and she has been a, a, a superhero in my life. I do believe I'd be dead today if it were not for who she is. We're at 19 years of marriage and wow. we, that's not what we want to, we don't sell that in the church. We sell prosperity and joy mm-hmm. and fun and adventure and so no wonder people are leaving marriages and leaving everything to go have the next fun thing. And it's like, it's not about fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Like, I think that's the thing that, you know, non-believers looking at, at Christians, looking at the church, the narrative is always like, look how hypocritical they are. And I think it's about this thing. It's that we, we champion hope and joy, but then when, when the seasons get hard, when we experience the suffering, we forget to have the hope and the joy. Like almost every time in scripture, suffering comes up, there's a narrative of rejoicing in it. There's a narrative of celebrating it. And I, we, I think we just need to be more consistent with it. We, but I would love to talk to your friends. So people around you, that have watched you because like, I remember um, there was a season I was bedridden for about a year and a half and mm-hmm. I barely get up and go teach a class or go to church even. 
but I didn't realize till later that my students were watching me. Oh yeah. And one day my, one of my students walked up to me and was like, I watched you at church and you sit there in that pew. You don't, you can't even stand. And they're singing songs about healing and about joy and about life in Christ. And it's like, how do you sing those? Yeah. And then it just hit with me. Oh shoot. I forgot that they're all watching and how I handle this shaped their future. Yeah. Yeah. How I handle suffering shapes their future. Uh -huh. That and it just shifted my world to realize that that actually that is the testimony right there during that season. How mm -hmm. you handled this, even the not so great handling of this, but then the cleaning up afterwards of the testimony. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and you know, Corey, gosh, I've 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 really dropped the ball in so many different ways, <laughs> like countless yeah. ways. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've gotten unspeakably depressed. I've, you know, had moments of anger and um, I've gotten mad at God. I've like, I've, I've, I've run the gamut. Like I really have. But here's the thing that's, uh, oh, yeah, human. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But here's, here's my call. I think that this is the most important part is I need to be authentic about all that. Exactly. Like if, not if perfect. I, if I just try to present like the Instagram version of me, the, like, I'm going to sing these pretty songs and I'm just going to be hopeful and joyful, but I'm going to like, keep the, 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 I don't know how else to say it. If I'm going to keep this, yeah, the muck, that's better that I was, mine was going to start with an S the, the yeah, sock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if I keep that muck off to, to the side, if I keep that secret, uh, yeah, it's, it, I'm going to end up looking hypocritical because people will end up seeing it at some point. Like if, if I bear it out, if I share it with my friends, if I invite Aaron's and hers into, into this muck with me and they can hold my arms up yep. and keep me strong when there is no strength, like I, I have a much better chance of experiencing victory in the battle that's happening in my valley. And you are absolutely impacting their life in ways that we won't know this side of heaven. Yeah. It's a both I hand. Hope so. It's a both hand. Like I yeah. remember the seasons when I would hide what I was dealing with personally and just kind of fake it. I'd show up and only a few people knew and they could see through my faking it. Yeah. Um, and then the, the day that I started being honest about it, blunt, bluntly honest about my pain levels that were consistently there my stamina, which was gone and just how to live and how much I was struggling. And all of a sudden I had a community mm. when I mm. was honest with where I was suffering. I, I hear from college students all the time and it used to be older. So if a number of years ago, it was worse, but it was kind of like my parents age, that generation where there's this um, kind of this facade of we're all good. Yeah. So the yeah. kids grow up looking at mom and dad and it's like, I can't be like them. Perfect. So forget your God and forget all this stuff. And so the authenticity is so critical of no, we've suffered. We've hurt. We've been scared. We've been mad at God. We've cussed him out. We've, you know, wanted to reject him, yeah. <laughs> have rejected him. And yet we're Absolutely. still moving forward in our faithfulness, even despite and that's the testimony that needs to be shared. Yeah. Man, I so agree with you. And I, I think we suffer in, on, on different levels. So you, you obviously have a story of real pain. 
Like uh, you being bedridden for that long, I cannot imagine the amount of pain that you've endured. And so that, that, that story, that testimony is powerful, but also your sweet wife and your, your kids, your boys, like yeah, three kids. They, uh, we didn't oh think gosh. we could have. Yeah. Too different again than you guys, but we didn't think we could have kids because of all the drugs they pumped through me mm. and see God's gift. And then, as you said, and there are so many that, pray and pray and pray and do not have that prayer answered in the way they wish. And they do not get to yeah. become parents. And so what do you do with that? Well, we are in a messed up world. It's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And in the conversations in our culture about even killing babies, when there are so many that would be gladly take those children in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's so much. If you even think of the church in terms of what needs to be done there of reaching out to foster care and other, other places of need. And every family's got a different bandwidth of what they can do. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times what we do, even in the church, everyone should foster or everyone should adopt or everyone should do this. It's like, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're just trying to guilt trip people into stuff. That's right. That's right. All right, Corey, I know this is your podcast and you're the one interviewing, but can I, can I turn the tables here? Uh, (laughs) One of the things that I have concluded and really writing the book has helped me uh, find this conclusion because I could see the thread that God was, you know, pulling through all of this crazy story. Mm -hmm. Uh, The conclusion is, is that I I need to learn to not take myself too seriously, (laughs) you know, especially in like, in the pain, the suffering, the, in the muck, as you said. How, how did you find yourself doing that? Like not taking yourself so seriously? Cause I can tell you're, you're a pretty loose, like authentic, real guy that, uh, that, that doesn't trip up in that way. I think for me, it's been, I just focusing on other people. Hmm. Like I found out in seminary, cause again, I was in my mid twenties single and having all these health issues and doctors telling me all these things and not getting any answers for about seven years. Um, I ended up at a church as a janitor and go, I love this job. Oh, wow. Yes. The church and behind the scenes, not realizing all the pictures of what that would be like in the future. Cause my college degree was in music. I wanted to be a music minister. I wanted to be a music missionary. <laughs> my yeah. heart was, I love music to then be told you can't graduate cause you don't have talent. <laughs> and so oh, no. walked away from that. But I took one class, which was a counseling class that led to seminary, that led to counseling, led to a very different life I never could have dreamed of serving people later mm-hmm. on in seminary or before, actually right before that, I was a, a ser- server at Red Lobster. Mm. I loved the job because of serving people and, and seeing that thread of that's what's kept me going. My whole adult life, I've had two to four jobs at a time. Yeah, yeah. Part of it's working in Christian universities and, and that's kind of what you get with that. You don't make very much, but sure. Yeah. Uh, I've also realized because it's part of also me going, I will not let that story be true in my life because I had doctors telling me you'll never work. You'll live on disability. You're going to do like condemning me, like cursing me is what it felt like. Mm. So I have felt like this burden of, I will make sure I mess with Satan and what he's doing in this world. Mm. So I do it in the areas of trauma and sexual abuse and in the areas that I teach in and um, speak in and 
So I do speaking on gender and sexuality from a biblical worldview. And I go into all that mess. Yeah. I feel like God has put that. That's the thing is that's me, not someone else. What is mm-hmm. God doing in your life and how is he shaping you and using all these things to, to send you to your place where you're supposed to influence. And so that's yeah led to now 17 years as a professor and 22 years as a shrink counselor. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Honestly, that, that's what I was hoping you were going to answer with. Cause I think it's the right answer every single time. Like the context is always going to be different, but the way to not take yourself too seriously is to serve others. It's, I, struggle it's with actually, I struggle with all sorts of things. And what's yeah. the cure to that? Really, truly, even if you just stop looking at the medication answer only, other, the cure is go serve someone. Yeah, absolutely. Diapers in the nursery, go do something that's actually about someone else. And you'll quickly see that you're actually better even just a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think about, Corey, remember when Jesus sent out the disciples and they were not ready to be sent out? Uh, It was like a trial run, right? And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, take nothing with you. Just literally just go. Mm -hmm. And uh, that narrative of of take nothing with you always is stuck into me, my head, because the that's not actually true. Like you always do take something with you. And I, I think the one thing that you take is your story and obviously your relationship with Jesus. So they weren't completely alone. And I think, you know, so many people that I coach that I encourage them to serve others. It's like, well, I just don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what to do or like, eh. All right. Well, why don't you start with just sharing your story? Like what, what a powerful thing, what a gift to give someone else. Well, my story's not that interesting. What are you kidding me? Like, I think your story's fascinating. Like it's the story that God's written in your life. Like don't, don't insult God by saying his story is not good enough. Like go share it, serve someone with it. Give them the invitation of sharing their own story. People like talking about themselves. And I love that about like your book. And here's your just FYI. Oh, yeah. Suffering guy. Whoa. I remember even seeing it at first going, no, no. Yeah. It's the the title I never wanted. I love that subtitle. Um, This is a must must read. Um, I'm so I've already started it. I can't finish it, but you've definitely used story to influence people in a way that's going to. I think changed many, many lives. I'm very thankful for you and for well that in write, written form. And I think I saw on, on your website, there's an audio form as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've got it in uh, paperback, hardback, audio, Kindle. I'll come to your house and read it for you if you want. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the title I never wanted. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a clever, uh, it's a clever title. Uh, Corey, can I give away the end of the book? I, I know that yes. like spoiler alert. Sure. Um, so here it is. I, I'm actually not the suffering guy. I'm, I'm a suffering guy. Uh, Jesus is actually the suffering guy. Okay. Uh, yeah, Sunday school answer. It's always about Jesus. So the premise is, is that, you know, I, I've hated all the suffering that I've had to do. I've hated all the suffering Alicia's had to do, and it's been awful. 
I, I really would trade anything to have her healthy and not have to go through this. Absolutely. But there's this really great set of scripture in Romans, Romans 8, that mm-hmm. says that we are uh, children of God. We've been adopted by God. And that's amazing. I'm all about that. And it goes even further to say that because this thing is true, is that we are heirs with Christ. Like, think about that for a second. Like the full inheritance that Jesus is, is, is due, we get as well when we are adopted by God, when we are sons and daughters of God. And I'm like, yes, praise him. I'm here for this, right? Unfortunately, the verse doesn't stop there. It keeps going just a little bit further. And it says that we are heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Christ. And that part I'm not as excited about, right? Clearly, that's not something that I really want to be about, not something I really want to do. But I do, I am interested in that first half. So, okay, um, well, Jesus clearly suffered a lot. He is the suffering guy. I don't think anyone suffered in in human form more than Jesus. And on top of it, if I'm being honest, he continues to suffer my sin to this day. Yes. You know, your sin and everyone listening, he suffers our, our, our sin. This makes him the suffering guy. And there's an invitation in this set of scripture that says, I can suffer with him or I can suffer without him. Because all of us are going to suffer. 100% of the population will do it in some form or fashion. So am I going to suffer with the suffering guy or am I going to suffer without him? And so I think as believers, we have an opportunity to accept our roles as children of God, but also as suffering guys and suffering gals. Mm-hmm. And that, that paradigm shift has changed everything for me. It's all I want to tell people. I want to share my story and say, hey, this muck, to use your word, has been awful, but I'm really thankful that I've been able to suffer with the suffering guy. And uh, I've, I've experienced hope and joy in weird, unimaginable ways, and I'm really thankful I, 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 I can do this. I don't know what the future holds. I mean, honestly, like, I, I may have Alicia in my life for one more day. I, it could happen tomorrow. It really could. And that that reality is, she's that fragile. She's that fragile. She really is. She's, she's, she's bad off in a lot of different ways. Now she's strong willed and stubborn and so convinced (laughs) that God has a plan for her, but it it could happen. It could happen to any of us. And I have to say, okay, I, I can trust Jesus in the midst of that expectation gap. I can choose to suffer with him. So that's, that's all I, everything you just said, we don't, we don't preach that. We don't teach that to, it's not heard enough, which is American dream insanity of the perfect little life where people are miserable and addicted and so excited for their one or two week vacation a year. And that's about it. Oh Yeah so yeah. disgusting and so it's perverted in a sense it's it's missing actual true joy which is found in well suffering yeah yeah well and i i suspect that probably there's some people listening or watching that are like eh, you know he's he's selling it pretty hard <laughs> um and uh, that's fine you're entitled to that opinion but i like i'm 
I really try to be as real as possible. Like authenticity is really important to me. And I'm like, I, I want to tell the truth and I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I have some really rough days. You know, I have some days where I'm, I'm a, a little less hopeful and I like, I'm tired and I'm run down and I like, I need to be filled by God. Like if, if I'm, if I'm choosing to get my cup filled, my empty cup filled by any other source, like, man, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm setting myself up for failure, but I, I really believe all of this. I, I think that when Alicia goes, cause it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, mm-hmm. when this happens, I'm going to be okay. I, it's going to, there's going to be hard days. I know it. How could there not be I'm going to be lonely. I'm going to be sad. This is going to be like devastating on so many different levels, but I, I know that I get to do this with Jesus and it really makes a difference. Yeah. So I know my wife and I, we were married 11 months. So we weren't even at our one year anniversary and I bled out in the ER and the doctors told her, sorry, your husband's not going to make it. And so oh my gosh. at that point, this whole crisis of, and we were packed up in a U-Haul ready to move to another state to start a new job. Oh, wow. All this happened. And just to see, like, I don't even, I won't know. Cause I'm, I'm seeing this more from, not from your side. I won't know what she's been through. Just like Alicia doesn't mm-hmm. know what you've been through. Yeah. Through it with her. Yeah. I feel like I've basically traumatized her in ways that, I can't undo. And there's a, there's that, even that piece of, again, not sure. fair yet. Actually, if you think of what that you've mentioned it before, the body of Christ, we need to rise up. Mm-hmm. The truth is, is a lot of other communities that are not Christian are more caring of their people than the church is at times. I almost, the, the phrase I use is too often the church has office hours. Ooh, dang. Yes. Suffering doesn't have, doesn't work within office hours. Yeah. That's great. I try to be available even to my clients and others that I work with at any time I need to be available. Yeah. Uh, Me as well. Great at times and hard other times Mm -hmm. to, to love them through versus the whole office hours. Um, And the church needs to rise up and use your story. And I I love, again, the, 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 not the twist or the end, but the suffering guy being, <laughs> being Christ. Yes. And us partnering in his suffering. I believe in an America, we're going to see more of that just as we see where it's going in other areas, not to mention health and even our own kids and the stuff they're going to go through. You know, Absolutely. Suffer, we suffer. Yeah. Well, when they're struggling. We struggle. It's so true. And then I think our, our kids are suffering in ways that we could have never imagined. You know, uh, you, you talked about like sexual identity issues. I like, I didn't know anyone when I was a kid, like struggling with that kind of stuff, you know, not that it did, never happened, but that narrative is happening all the time. And I just, yeah, I, you know, I, to go back to something that you said, Corey, you know, uh, that you traumatized your wife. I, like, you know, that that wasn't really you, like you didn't do that to her. Doesn't um, matter. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was still traumatized. And I think th- that's one of the reasons why, you know, th- this is my book and not Alicia in, in, in my book. Uh, it was a, a unique decision that we made Nice. Yes. Uh, because, because I think there's a lot of 
books written for the person going through the actual like physical pain. And, um, and that's great. Like I, like we, we need those stories, but I also think that, you know, as the caregiver, as you know, in, in, in my role as the husband, like to have a different point of view in the marketplace, you Love know, of, of, of saying so- like, like we all carry this burden of suffering. It's not just, Oh, that's Alicia's problem or that's Corey's problem. You know, I, I'll just skate past it. You know, like the, they have to deal with that. No, like we, we are united in this burden. And so that that's, I, a lot of people ask me that question of like, okay, well, like this is Alicia's story. Why is her name not on the book? Like, well, she's a terrible writer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a book I use for one of my classes. And it's written from the wife's perspective where the husband has had many, many affairs and sexual addiction. And Mm. because I think that perspective that you have is very, very critical and there's not enough out there about that. There's plenty on the other side of that. So I would be looking at how I could even incorporate this into some of the reading my students do in the preparation. So, yes, I appreciate that. That's amazing. Uh, I'm just you know, excited I, to have met you. I, I, you. You've already blessed me in this conversation, just seeing where you're at. And um, and that's not why we do this. It's not why we go through this even. Yeah. Not we do. I went through suffering so I can have a platform. That's. Nah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's that's the worst. Let's not do but that. But it's using the platform to be redemptive. And I love that word. Yeah. All about redemption. Um, and people drawing people to Christ, see, helping them see, see purpose in their, even the worst of the worst going through divorce or just going through yeah. stuff they, they wouldn't have signed up for because none of us yeah. would say, Hey, I want to marry you knowing that I'm going to actually um, suffer. Basically that's not yeah. the required, if you will. Yeah. Well, it is, isn't that interesting that that's one of the commitments that we make in our vows, you know, in of the traditional for- vows. Yeah, me too. Honestly, we're, we're promising that no matter what the expectation gap is, if yeah. it's for rich or for poor, for good or for bad, for health or for sickness, like whatever the expectation gap I am in and I'm committed. And uh, I think it's a good and right and beautiful thing. And I never anticipated that when I was saying those vows 15 yeah. years ago that, you know, certainly there was a chance far, far in the future. I had no concept that it was going to happen so quick and so real. Um, it's interesting because my wife, the opposite was happened for her. I was in the hospital three times while we were dating. Mm. I found out my wife was talking to her mom and her mom was saying in marrying this guy, you're going to be working your whole life and taking care of him. Are you willing to do that? She said, yes, then. Oh my gosh. Bless Talk her heart. Humbling. Mm. I mean, I want to be the guy that's like, come in and rescue this bride. And and (laughs) she came in and she rescued me. And we need more, again, stories about that of a very different kind of love story, if you will, versus this seemingly glossy, perfect cover that actually has no substance in the end. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Uh, Gosh, Corey, you're a catch though, man. Like, it's clear that she was nutty about you, that she, she needed you and uh, she wasn't going to say no to anything. No, I actually found out the day that I proposed, she's like, you know what? He's cheesy enough to do it on Valentine's day. So if I'm not going to say yes, I should probably warn him. I'm like, what? 
Oh my gosh. The more intellectual person, I'm the more emotional. And so she was actually still kind of going, you know what? I'm not quite sure. And it's like, whoa. But oh my gosh. <laughs> excuse me. That's been, you know, that was 19 years ago. And how cool that is to see all that we've been through, um, suffered through too. Even the, the picture of the suffering guy, which by the way, your website is thesufferingguy.com. So we're going to yeah. make sure we put that in the show notes and send everyone there, order, order his book, um, Jim's book. This is such an important, I think, work that we need to actually talk more about. But think about all the people around you. One of the things that I tell my couples that I'm doing you know, counseling with, struggling, is like, as long as you're struggling in your marriage and you're so self-focused, you can't see the person mm. next to you that's struggling. Mm, so I want to yes. get you off of yourself as quick as possible so that you can see that you're to be a blessing to people around you. You're to be there for others around you. It's not all about you, but Satan loves to keep us all self-centered and focused on ourselves. Oh yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. It's a, it's a human weakness that we all have and uh, it's oddly very natural, but you know, I think Christ calls us to, uh, to, to looking outward and to, um, you know, putting ourselves last. And, and if, if marriage is a ministry, which I think it absolutely is, absolutely, man, yeah. we got to start there. We got to start looking outward yeah. right in our, in our marriage. Yeah. So true. We've got our marriage, we have our kids, and then we yeah. do have our, our body of Christ or the people around us. And then those that aren't believers that were actually in the different circles that we live in and work in and minister in. It's like, so if, to think about those, do, does, do all of us have the bandwidth to handle all of that? No. So I think of like mm-hmm. where you've been at, at times things shrink down and your world is her, Alicia. Oh yeah. And that's it. There is no one else and that's okay. And so to, to be to almost give yourself permission for that so critical and then you're able to open it just enough and go, oh, yeah, I have a son. <laughs> and that was, yeah. but there's times where there's not even enough room for that. Like I have memories of laying on the couch and my kids trying to pull me off the couch to play with them. And I can't get off the couch to play with them. And I'm in tears. Mm. They're in tears. And that shapes them. There's so many yeah. that have, they took care of it, an aging parent or a dying parent or a, or a struggling parent. And so all of us have different, or they have a sibling who was handicapped or a sibling that was in serious need. Those things shape us, but may they shape us towards serving the world and making the world a better place and drawing people to Christ. Yeah. I just think that these hard realities are, it's one of the few opportunities we have for our hearts to actually be shaped. Yes. If, if we, turn in on ourselves and just get very uh, egocentric, it, that'll shape our hearts. Yeah. But in, in, in response to suffering, if we look outward and uh, we, 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 we care and we love and we extend hope in real ways, that's going to shape our heart in profound ways. And I, I hope that my effort, I hope your effort, I hope all of our efforts will shape our children in, in crazy ways that they can take the, you know, take the, the, the banner and, and go further than we ever could. You know, I, I, I hope that, that 
I, I tell a lot of people I'm, I'm saving probably more for Anderson's counseling than his college um, because there's, there's hard realities. Okay. But I really hope that I'm, I'm raising a mighty man of God that is kind and compassionate to others. And you know, the, the hard realities are going to shape that if he allows it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so great to talk with you. So great to meet you. Corey, likewise, this has been so good. And I, you know, I, I really think it's amazing to hear a little bit more about your journey and to, to know just how bad the, the Crohn's has gotten. And, you know, I think there's all these different levels of, of Crohn's disease and uh, you obviously have overcome a lot. And I, it's amazing to see how God's using you and this podcast is part of it. Your uh, counseling, your, uh, your, your job at, at the, as a professor is, is part of that, like God is using you in real ways and serving others is, is really, it's, you're making an impact, man. So don't stop. Thank you. Thank you. Honored. Honored. Actually, I want to do more of this with you. I'd love to talk, talk more kind of what you're doing and I think we should do another one. So. All right. Yeah. I got, I got all kinds of different stories, man. We can talk about depression. We can talk about (laughs) the expectation gap and coaching around that. We can, we can have all kinds of conversations. We can talk sports though. Uh, It doesn't have to be so heavy. Yeah. Lost me on the sports when I have. Oh, dang. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't have time for that. And for those listening, please pick this up. So the suffering guy, um, the suffering guy.com amazing read. I cannot wait to, even see how, how this impacts more people in my circle and the people that I um, talk with. So thank you so much, Jim, for, for this time and bless you, your family. And um, I just look forward to, to, to hearing good things too, as to what God does with your life. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Corey. I really appreciate it, brother. Pleasure. All right. See ya. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.